again, everyone, and welcome inside the Adam Jones podcast from the Baltimore Banner. I'm Jerry Coleman. He is the former five-time All-Star Adam Jones, and today we have reached, AJ, episode number 57. Oof. Not many people wore 57, but one guy did, Jake Arietta. Oh, yeah. Mm. A former Very Oriole. Brief. And speaking of Very former briefly. Orioles, we got one on tap today. He is the former O's closer. And the newly retired Zach Britton will join us coming up. Adam and I are also going to talk about the Orioles offseason plans. Do they have any? We hope so, because the hot stove has opened up for business. And... Yeah, the NBA's wacky in-season tournament. We have uh, diverse views on that tournament, and we'll also give away a final few Duncan gift cards in our socially speaking segment, along with some news on what's ahead as we move towards season three. But first, our guest, as always, sponsored by the great people at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. He is the former Oriole and Yankee and the newly retired Zach Britton. Zach, appreciate you taking the time and joining the podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, we wish you would have held off on the announcement by maybe a week or two, because you would have become the third former Oriole on this podcast to announce their retirement, following in the footsteps of the great Tommy Hunter and Nelson Cruz. So that's the way it goes. But what went into the decision-making for you to to call it a career, Zach, and what a career it was? Well, if I would have known that, I would have waited. It kind of had been uh, planned a little bit. I had talked with uh, Brittany Droley, who obviously followed the Orioles when uh, when I was coming up. Um, and we've kept a pretty good relationship um, through the course of my career. And just got brought up uh, kind of when I was working out for teams last year a little bit. I told her that I had been thinking actually about that for a while. She was like, hey, whenever you're ready to announce, I'd like to write a story about it. So that's kind of how that came together. But really the thought process after I had – the two elbow surgeries with the Yankees Um, kids are getting older and I knew I only wanted to play about another year or two. I told Scott Boris, I kind of want to just go one year deals from here on out uh, after my contract with the Yankees was over. And just one thing led to another elbow wasn't feeling great uh, coming back. And I just knew it was kind of going to be a grind. Um, Had some decent offers, but I had um, kind of, monetarily I had a number in my head that it was going to take for me to go play again and leave my family and it just never really got there so um I stuck with what me and my wife had thought was a good number and it didn't get there and I was like you know what I'm pretty happy with everything I've done in my career and now it's time to be at home with the kids that's awesome man uh dude hey welcome to the retirement club I just want to say like (laughs) did 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 like did it just become to a point where I'm just tired of it. Like for me, my body, I mean, you see, we, we played together, we grinded together. We just, we yeah. killed ourselves for this game. I came to a point where I'm tired of this grind. Like right now, people are grinding right now, working hard. I do, I played golf today. I ain't got to worry about nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it comes to yeah. a point where enough is enough. And did it come to a point that like that for you? Yeah. I mean, that's a, like a perfect example of it. I think like physically you almost feel this burnout. Um, of man, I've been doing this since what nine, eight, nine years old. Um, and the the one thing that um, maybe I didn't expect when I was younger and and playing in the majors and Adams can can attest to this would be the it's a twelve month gig, you know, mentally, physically, 
uh, putting yourself in a position to be successful because there's always somebody coming for your job. I mean, the game keeps going with or without you, right? That's what they always say. So you got to put yourself in a position physically, mentally, um, to be a, a step ahead of the of the younger guys that are coming for your job. So uh, I, I definitely felt like there was a physical burnout after those two surgeries. Obviously, I had the Achilles surgery too. So going back through another, you know, extensive rehab and then trying to come back and, and play at a high level, I just didn't feel like I was going to get back to that level that I wanted to play and I wasn't ready to grind through it um, and miss more time with my kids. So how has that uh, how's that transition been, though? You know, I know you've been working out, getting yourself into shape but like understanding that you know the next the next chapter is here so how has that been i mean I, again i enjoy it uh take drop yeah. the kids off hit the links and enjoy it uh yeah. so you know how has how has been your transition because everybody's transition is different you know it's it's a very uh sensitive subject with a lot of different people depending on uh their their, their structure yeah I, I think it was easier because i had um I had put myself mentally in that position to be like, I think this is this is it. If if I don't get a contract that I like, um, I'm going to be at home, and um, you know it it was a little, little bit easier. I think I didn't really watch much baseball during the season. Uh, once I had talked to Scott Boris and told him that I'm thinking that I want to retire, and he told me to give me six months to really think about it, make sure that's what I wanted to do, and I kind of just you know I shut off the TV. I didn't watch many games. Um, only when my son <laughs> wanted to watch a few here and there and uh, took some golf lessons because I never really played when I when I was playing baseball. I just never really did. Uh, played some tennis, been playing some tennis, which is mind boggling. I never thought I'd play tennis. So the transition has been pretty good doing all this stuff for the kids. I mean, they're busy, as you know. I mean, geez, the, my schedule is more full now than it was when I was playing. <laughs> and every, everybody, I'm telling you, everybody says that um you know the kids activities that's where that's where it's the best like you don't miss yeah. those moments where you know it, every kid is playing on those saturdays you don't miss those anymore hey what was your number since you retired i mean it's okay to say what your number was kid. what's your number i know boris <laughs> boris guys are hush hush all that but uh, what, what was your number I, I had a speculation of like 11 12. No, it wasn't that high because i was coming <laughs> off you know like the 14 with the yankees so i figured hey man i'm hurt i'm getting older um like i'll play for like half of that like seven guaranteed with some incentives sure and okay. um i take that too yeah i mean i think anybody would right but i'm sure people like three with incentives to get up to with innings made and five or something like that like yeah i, I know think, I, yeah like i think honestly like a five was like kind of where everyone was at and then you know no one wanted to give me incentives and i always felt like man if i'm healthy i'm gonna blow that out of the water uh right of course in performance and uh that's just how the game was and that's how they valued me and like you know it is what it is right i can't do anything about it i can't value myself i pay myself whatever right but um that's kind of where they were and i was like man if, if I, I know i'm going to be healthy and i'm going to perform is that worth it at this stage because i only wanted to play about another year or two for me to leave my family after you taxes you pay your agent you pay you know the cost that it, it you know whatever renting a home right renting a home in, in let's say new york I mean, that's expensive um, and all the other stuff, right? Flying your family all the time. Not saying that you won't have any money left over. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is um, at this stage, I was fortunate enough to make enough money to where the money wasn't the driving factor anymore. Um, other than is it <clears throat> worth it for me to continue to do this um, and leave my family and, and miss out on the things that I had already missed out on? 
So 12 Two. years in the major leagues, eight in Baltimore, uh, just around four and a half in New York. I presume you consider yourself an Oriole, but I'm just <laughs> presuming that. No, I do. I think um, at this stage, when you look back on your career and you go, hey, man, where was the best, my best performance overall? Um, and good memories. But I think that's who drafted me. I mean, I spent so much of my life in the Oriole organization in around Maryland. Um, so I consider that to be, you know, I, I consider that area almost like my home and those people around there, you know, family. Whereas New York, obviously, I hadn't played there much. The guys on the team um, are good friends still, but I didn't really get the the opportunity to build, you know, a long-term relationship with, I feel like, that fan base the same way I did with the Orioles because I came up in the minors there. Um, I want to talk about you becoming, I mean, basically when you got called up, 11 through 13, you were a starting pitcher. Uh, 14, we decided to make a change. And I say it's crazy because I remember this day we ch we changed Tommy Hunter from being a closer. We were facing Detroit and Miguel Cabrera took him deep at home. And uh, the next day you were closing. Um, I remember, I, I'm sorry, I swear, I remember sorry, that Tommy. day. Sorry, I remember Tommy. that. Sorry, Tom. I remember that day. And I remember he was like, man, that dude can really hit. I'm like, yeah, I thought Oday was going to be the guy. Honestly. What are you talking I mean, about? I thought, thought Oday was going to be closing. Honestly, after that. And, and, but like, what was the what went into that conversation of first off the transition to starter to reliever, and then not just reliever, you coming in in the most important high leverage situation as our yeah. closer for the next three years, four years, five years, and yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. I mean, it started in spring training, you know, with Brady because I spent a lot of time with Brady in the off that off season, him and Rio out in California. And, um, you know, one thing led to another, and there must have been talks internally about, hey, put me in the bullpen. And um, I want to, I think Brady had talked, and, and Dave and Dom, uh, you know, Dave Wallace, Dom Cheedy came out too. But Brady had brought up, you know, closing. And I kind of laughed and I was like, man, I want to be a starter. Like, I don't want to be a closer or a reliever or whatever. Um, and that's kind of where it first got brought up. So when I got to spring that year, I, I knew that I was going to the pen, but a lot of guys during spring, you know, Dave Wallace, Dom Chidi, I'm not so sure Buck mentioned it right away, but Brady was like, hey, man, like Billy Wagner, like you ever watch Billy Wagner close or whatever? Um, and I was like, man, I never watched closers. I was like, I want to be a star. I want to be Tom Glavin. What the hell are you talking about? You know, kind of thing. And he was just like, you're not going to be Tom Glavin. Like, you're going to be John Smoltz. <laughs> yeah. He was like, you're, you're going to go to the pen. You're, you're going to be nasty at the pen with your sinker and, 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 you know, whatever. So as you know, in spring, I just focused on throwing my sinker and the velocity came up and then, you know, started doing really well when that season opened out of the pen. And then, you know, O'Day was throwing really well. So I wasn't really sure if I was going to close, you know, after Tommy had struggled just for a few. I think he, Tommy got injured and then he came back and he was a little rusty, I think. And um, Buck called us in one day and was like, me and Darren, I was like, hey, the next save opportunity is going to be one of you, you know, one of you two. So be ready for it. And one thing led to another. And I got the call and, and kind of ran with it. And I think that's what you got to do, right? You get an opportunity, you got to run with it because you might only get one shot at it. And Sorry, look, of, speaking I, of one on, shot, Coleman. go ahead. Coleman. Go ahead. I mean, yeah, Coleman, hold on a doc. I got to talk about 2016 because I know you know who did this to you. <laughs> it's, I, you're a closer. I know you know who did this to you. You had a .4 ERA. So I went back and really looked at the year. I remember the year because I got three fly balls that whole year from you. 
It was great, actually. Uh, 67 innings, 34 hits, uh, 38 hits, seven runs, four earned. So somebody made an error. One home run. Mookie Betts. Mookie Bridge. <laughs> you got to watch that video because I don't, that sinker was kind of, that was the last time I ever threw him a pitch inside for the rest of my career when we faced each other and he knows it. I tried to go down and in on him and oh my gosh, that's when I realized how fast his hands were, you know? Oh. And he lost the thing and I was like, holy crap. I've talked to him about that. Uh, I want to say one of the All Star games. I talked to him. He's like, man, I don't know how I hit that pitch. And I'm like, I know how you hit the pitch because you hit that pitch off everybody. Like you watch your own video. You know, but yeah, Mookie Betts. I was shocked too. If you look at my face on the, like in that video at Fenway, that was crazy. No, I, I remember all the home runs at this stage. You were yeah. trying to stump them. It sounds like Adam. Yeah. I'll, well, I didn't know. Oh, oh I know. Well, of course, <laughs> I didn't know. Pitchers. I mean, there's I feel no. Like there's, I know everybody that's hit a home run off me. I didn't give up too many, but I feel like when I gave up a home run, like they smoked it. I didn't give yeah. up like cheap home runs that scraped the wall. It was like guys got it. Yeah. 2016 was incredible. I mean, 47 for 47 in save opportunities, fourth in the Cy Young voting. But, of course, the non-appearance in that wild card game is something I guess you're going to have to answer about hmm. or talk about the rest of your career, even though it wasn't your so. decision. Right. Yeah, I think I think so. I, I mean, um, especially when I got traded to New York. I mean, that question came up, you know, once a week. Every, you know, my whole career in New York, somebody brought it up, you know, some a national writer coming in, want to talk about it or, you know, we're on a, whatever, a nationally televised game and somebody wants to bring it up, right? Um, Especially with Buck there too. Yeah. With Buck having that tie, they just want right. to just pit it. Yeah, and then he was working for the Yes Network before he got the job with the Mets. So you know, he's around. So somebody always wants to to talk about it. And, you know, Buck is not going to talk about it. And I, I don't, I don't really talk about it either because I'm not Buck. Right. You know, like, you know, he, eventually I'm sure he'll, he'll say something about it or he might not. Right. I mean, um, but it has been a question that stuck with, you know, it's been asked to me uh, everywhere I've gone. I basically just kind of gave the same answer where, you know, you know, Adam's yelling at me in center field, put myself in the game. I think at that stage, uh, I think I heard <laughs> a few times in Toronto was that crowd was crazy. But I run yourself Adam's into voice, the game. Put me, put yourself in the game. <laughs> you know, but uh, that was actually funny. That, if anything, I remember that. I remember Adam like staring at me, like yelling at me, and I couldn't really like, I could read his lips because it's so loud in Toronto. And I'm like, is he telling me to put myself in the game? Like, can you? In my head, I'm like, can you even? Has that ever been done? Like, we just run in from like the pen and we're like what the hell's going on like fan on the field they're like nah, i'm putting myself in <laughs> cito gaston didn't let you see it into the all-star game and he started warming up in the bullpen but never got into the game itself so you imagine that story that would have been like just like he but runs out and you like it, you know? nah you put yourself in and you blow it we'll get back to our continuing conversation with former Orioles zach Britton here on the adam jones podcast but folks as we wind down season two Let's salute and let's support our loyal, dedicated sponsors, the majority who've been with us since day one. Hi, guys. Oriole Hall of Famer and ambassador to the baseball warehouse, Mike Bordick here. We are honored and excited to help support the Adam Jones podcast. The baseball warehouse has four locations in Maryland and two in Pennsylvania. We specialize in private instruction, camps, showcases, charity events, Badgers baseball, and one-of-a-kind events featuring current Major League players and Hall of Famers. 
Our instructors have all played collegiately and professionally, many of whom have reached the major leagues. Check out thebaseballwarehouse.com to learn more and check us out on social media. Also, make sure to check out Orioles Hall of Famer Rick Dempsey's Baseball Warehouse opening in Columbia this October. Yeah, it's October 8th from 1 to 5 p.m. I'll be there with many of my former teammates, and I want to see you there. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Jimmy's Famous Seafood, Charm City's favorite crab cake destination. Local sports fan? Experience the ultimate pregame party at the tailgate. Cheer on the Ravens with iconic live performances, an open bar, and mouth-watering eats. Can't make it? No worries. Bring the same food that caught the attention of the Food Network right to your doorstep. Shipping East Coast recipes nationwide. Jimmy's Famous Seafood is the official sponsor of the guests appearing on the Adam Jones Podcast. And by our friends at the Weinman Company. Your fun awaits at Hollywood Casino Perryville. Feed the whole crew with something for everyone, from cheesesteaks to crab cake sandwiches. Plus, ask how you can get a $15 dining credit. Get in on the gaming action with the hottest slots and your favorite table games, like blackjack, roulette, and poker. Free live shows every Friday and Saturday. Plus, become a Penn Play member and get up to $250 in rewards. Come experience nonstop fun and excitement only at Hollywood Casino Perryville. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Effective Solutions, your one-stop shop for commercial contracting. Everything from excavation and site development to emergency remediation and restoration. Effective Solutions specializes in many forms of commercial and mixed-use construction, like leak investigation, framing, trim carpentry, insulation, drywall, painting, wallpaper, flooring, masonry, waterproofing, paving, tree removal, and much more. With a dedicated staff and a commitment to quality, Effective Solutions delivers every time. By G-Leaf. Medical cannabis only. Visit gleaf.com. Medical cannabis is for qualified Maryland patients only. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Royal Farms. Download the Royal Farms app from the Apple App Store or Google Play today. New Royal Farms Rewards members will get a free any size cup of Royal Farms award-winning coffee just for signing up. You know, it takes a lot of hard work to be a professional football kicker. I would know. I am a professional football kicker. So when I need the energy to get through a tough practice, I get a cup of coffee from Royal Farms. Royal Farms' new coffee machines grind fresh beans and brew them for a perfect cup every time. It's the freshest coffee in the world and just the kick I need. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. By Jack Daniels, two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, the number one cocktail in the world, is now available in a can. Yes, that's true. Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, mixed with Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar, are now both available in a can. Two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, ready to drink? Please drink responsibly. Whiskey specialty, 7% alcohol by volume. Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, Lynchburg, Tennessee. And a reminder, if you guys are enjoying this podcast, make sure to check out the Baltimore Banner at thebaltimorebanner.com slash AJ to get started. Now? Let's get back to Zach. It's Zach Britton, exclusively on the Adam Jones podcast. I, hey, here's my here's my thing about that. I don't, I don't. I've been told many people about this. In a while, in that wild card game, we have we. I think we matched perfectly against each other. They had Liriano, who's a starter at this point. He's a reliever. You can yeah. run him out fifty pitches. You at that point, you help. You are. You still have the starter background, but you throw a sinker. You can yeah. go fifty pitches. You can right. go two to two to three innings. This is when the game is going to happen. The game is going to happen in the 10th, 11th inning. Now, if we stretch past this, they're going to go with another starter. We're going to go with another starter. That yeah. was my only thing about how that should have happened. It, and my only, that's why I was yelling at you like, 
get in the game. Like once O'Day was out, like yeah, you got to go. Like that's my only thought that I had with that is we have the, the best chance to, to score in extra innings is the 10th and 11th. And when you have two guys, they had two, a guy who can throw 50. We have a guy who can throw 50. Let's go. Uh, but yeah. we didn't do we had we used another guy. You're probably right because once. But, you but at the same time, he got us. I, I can't disrespect you, Baldo, because he got us to that point. He was seven and one in the second half. He shit the bed. I'm gonna say that to three and a half years of that contract. Everybody knows that. But for those, the second half of 2016, he was seven and one and got us to that. We were in a wild card game because of him. Yeah. No, he was really good uh, at the end of the season, and we had just gotten done what. We played the Blue Jays and went to the Yankees. So, I mean, the previous series, I mean, my memory could be bad, but the previous series before we played the Yankees against the Blue Jays was pretty tight. I mean, we were playing like one-run games. I feel like I threw almost every game uh, in Toronto. So, we had just came up playing them. I think Ebaldo had thrown pretty well. But like you said, I mean, playoff games are a, a coin flip. I mean, I don't care how good you think you are. Uh, or what your record is previously against that team. I mean, the playoffs are crazy. So if you get a chance to win, I think, you, yeah, you got to almost like go for the throat a little bit. Um, and like I said, I had been warming I think I warmed up for like two innings. So I was ready to go. Uh, I'm just, I'm not really sure. I mean, he had, you know, Buck had this thought process that, you know, most of the time worked out. I mean, it really did. Um, and, you know, I, I just think that he, he stuck with the, hey, this is like my game plan. And, it didn't line up and he didn't pull the trigger on it. And, um, and that's how he managed. So, you know, I wasn't necessarily surprised that I didn't pitch. I mean, I was frustrated and I think everybody was, but I, I wasn't necessarily surprised because there was something that he saw that he didn't like. He didn't think that was my situation. He thought that was Evaldo's. You think if your brother were managing the team, it would have been different? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I would have yelled at him. I would have yelled at my brother. I would put myself in the game. I would have called down. He was playing. <laughs> I would have yeah. called down him and like, hey, Buck. You know, uh, I'm coming in. So, uh, you know, <laughs> different buck we're talking about. What's it like to have a sibling as a manager right now and in the Orioles organization? He's been there for a while, but that's kind of cool to have a different role for him than being a player. Yeah, I think he's done really well as a manager. Um, he just relates to the player now really well. These guys that are coming up and making their impact in the big leagues. He relates to those guys really well. He's got a good baseball background as a guy kind of a grinder type player you can play you know you played every position utility guy so I think he relates with you know all the different positions um but he communicates really well and that's what you got to do as manager in general I don't care where you are in what level uh, you got to communicate well with your players um but they also got to respect you they got to respect that not only hey is this guy a good guy and I like I like him but at the same time I respect him as my manager and when he speaks I'm going to listen and he just kind of carries that respect with him around with the players and you hear it from the guys especially up in the big leagues now those young players with the Orioles they speak highly of him so I think uh, he'll be in the big leagues coaching at some stage um, and that's tough too and those jobs are hard there's not a lot of those jobs I mean sometimes it's it's who you know. And um, hopefully he gets an opportunity. And, you know, hopefully it's with the Orioles, honestly. You know, that would be great. Um, but if not, I, I think he'll get a, a coaching job here in the big league. Um, how has he spoken about the, 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 um, the transition, the rebuild? Because obviously he's been, in the, he's been coaching since the entire, entirety of it. We talk about the, only the major league side of it. We yeah. don't get to talk to the major, a lot of the minor league coaches at all. But how has he been 
you know, through it, going through it with, you know, he's getting prospect after prospect. He yeah. just won the championship in triple uh, a, like his success is the, is the major league success. Like it's trickling down. So how has he been, uh, been dealing with this plethora of talent now and, and just plentiful in the organization? Yeah. I, I think that's the one thing that he, he always would tell me is, you know, when we were coming in the minors, well, you came up with Seattle. So, yeah. You, didn't, you didn't see how bad didn't see that <laughs> it was at, and I didn't realize it either right when you're coming up you're just like whatever this is like every other minor league system um but we, we just didn't have the depth when I came up and, and that's the one thing he says now that he's been coaching with what Elias has done and I don't know Elias you know at all but um you know he had a good reputation I think of player development coming in and uh, that's my brother said the talent, it's the depth of guys. You're not just talking, you know, obviously they have number one prospects, but there's some guys coming in that, you know, people aren't talking about either. They say, Hey man, these guys are really talented. Yeah. Jordan Westberg. But Jordan like Westberg. starting the year, he wasn't like the top guy, right? No, he wasn't. Then he just turned into right. like, he was like, I think he was probably thir- 12th or 13th prospect. And okay. Right. Which is not himself in the major organization, right. You know, no, I mean when you got all these guys, I think I think top twenty five is you know in the ballpark of right. they, they. I think they have a future for you, uh, but he put himself on a scene, and you know what? People compared him to JJ Hardy in terms of he don't wear no bad, he don't wear nothing. He just shows up to work and just like yeah. uh, just a lumberjack. Let me do what I need to do and do the dirty work and right. just plays great defense, timely hitting like JJ was, and yeah. he ain't got as much juice as JJ. No. JJ had juice. JJ had some juice. Let's respect JJ Hardy. Okay. JJ could like he had some juice before like, his back. Don't come inside. Him. Yeah. For that back started to give him giving problems. He had some juice. Right. So that's a guy like, you know, my brother had been telling about. He's like, man, this guy's a grinder. This guy's got the hit tool, you know? He's just a little bit raw. He's, but once he gets polished, and then um I had heard his name uh elsewhere. And um like he wasn't the guy. It, you know, everyone talked about, you know, Gunnar Henderson, right? Um, he had what well, he got the number one prospect tag in baseball, I think, at the halfway point at, at one stage. Um, so from that point, uh, standpoint, my brother's been talking about the depth. There's some guys that maybe you haven't heard of, but he's got them on his radar. Like, hey, I watched this guy and maybe some people are overlooking him right now because when you look at the analytics, maybe it doesn't scream out, you know, stud. Right. And, and that's the thing with the analytics at times is um, it can miss it. I guess, you know, like when you evaluate somebody just based on that and you don't watch them every day, sometimes you mm-hmm. miss a little bit, right? Now, analytics can really help you find like a diamond in a rough too, though. It, it can work both ways. But sometimes there's these these guys that you see, like it's just a baseball player and you can't, analytics can't find you just like a baseball player based on like watching, right? It'll find exit velocity and all this other stuff. Um, we can go down that rabbit hole too, but um, – <laughs> My brother has a couple of those guys. He's like, hey, man, I've just been watching this guy, and he works hard, and uh, he's going to figure it out, and you're going to see, see him, like, pop up on the scene here in a second. So um, he's been saying that quite a bit about how the Orioles have developed guys. It's not just going out and getting the number one draft picks. It's It's been signing some really good raw players and turning them into to good baseball players. I like that, man. Um before I let you go, man, you've been awesome. Thanks for your time, retired man. You got nothing but yeah. it now. Um, what's the plan for you? What's 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 you think the immediate immediate uh, future holds? Kids, kids' activities, golf, travel. Yeah. 
golf, you know, definitely travel. Uh, haven't, you know, there's definitely a lot of places I want to go see traveling. Um, Use Audi. Axis loves you travel. Yeah, yeah. right. I need to tell my wife. Our trips are sick. Yeah, they look sick. I need to get on that. You know, uh, but I've talked to a few guys. I remember, like, I remember talking with CC. You guys are good boys. And I talked to him. Mm-hmm. He'd come into the clubhouse all the time. I mean, how is it? And he's like, I should have done this sooner. You know, that was his thing. <laughs> you know, and uh, so CC, when I, you know, you hear a guy like that, and he's been awesome. You know, I've been able to talk to him a lot about stuff. So, um, I'm not so sure like what I want to do. I think if, if I went into the game and, and you probably feel the same way too, I feel like I could offer a lot to a team, but I don't necessarily want to coach. Um, I'm you know, I'd like like a front office position, you know, you, you're starting to see it, former players get these GM roles. I'm not so sure. Like I want a GM role right now or something like that, but you're seeing some guys, um, you know, Chris Young just won a world series. Um, I think we bring a lot to the table, um, from both perspectives like we understand the analytics right we understand you know playing the game and what that entails so um i would like to help build the team i'm not sure i would want to coach but i would i would love the opportunity to to maybe build a, a world series caliber team um obviously with other great people but um i'm not so sure that's in the immediate future uh right now it's going to be about the kids i just seen uh, chris young and uh, his staff and while i was at the world series and he has great guys on his staff. Yeah. Uh, I'm seeing Nick Hundley, our former one of our former right. catchers. Uh, Kinsler's on his staff. He has a lot of former players, but he also has the mix of uh, the analytics side. They they do both. I mean, you got you think he's Princeton is, is yeah. Chris Young. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the brightest minds in the game. But he also understands the value of having guys who've been around it and understand the game at that at that level. And you know, that's the same way I want to do it. Is be be somewhere where you can help it's not about the money these days it's about being in yeah. an organization being around being to help these youths fulfill their dreams again there's somebody whispered in somebody's ear to tell you to go to the bullpen somebody told me to go to center field I, sometimes you you know in that player's mind i was thinking hey i want to be a shortstop like kirby said i'll be playing in mexico okay <laughs> that would have been, been the black jake taylor for real you know what i'm saying so moves like that like we don't think about that but somebody said it along the lines like damn this guy might be good in the pen and i've said this about guys like you know what he might be really good in the pen he might just tick up velocity to other guys and yeah. you know that, that's sometimes that's the path that it works you made a lot right. of money being throwing that damn sinker right. you might not that path might have been longer by being a starter so right. you know a lot of people you need a blend. I mean, you're you're right. You you have to have the blend of like, you know, I don't care what anybody says. You know, I've been watching the game. You know, you've been watching the game for a long time, been playing. And um, how many times did we play where somebody was like, I got like I reinvented the wheel. I figured it out. Right. And then the game evolves. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the shift and all this other stuff. Right. Like, you know, the game evolves as you go. Analytics evolves. It's never 100 percent one way or the other. It's a good blend. And uh, like with New York, they were they were heavy into, um, you know, biomechanics, analytics. Right. Uh, They got heavy into that. So I I got a taste of that because it came from the Orioles where we didn't do that. Right. We didn't have those analysts at the time. I think we might have had one. And, um, you know, so you do your own research. You you create your own scouting report. I have to watch video. I don't have somebody just uploading it to my iPad and then like all the other data. Like, God, I could get like anything I ever wanted. Sometimes like. You don't want it. But um, <laughs> like you said, like Chris Young, I think those guys, I saw Chris Getz got the GM job with the White Sox. He hired like Paul Yanish is their farm director now. Remember Paul? 
Oh know? yeah. So like great uh, baseball guy. Yeah. You know, they're hiring good, smart guys that you have to be willing to do both. Like you can't, like there is no, there might not be any room in the game anymore for a guy that's like, ah, I'm just old school baseball. Right. You gotta, you gotta understand the analytics because it, it, it's, it is a useful tool if you can filter out the noise. Right. Just like anything. Yeah, you just got to be able to place for it and a time for it. I think we Correct. all agree with that. I know yeah. Adam's not a huge fan of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it. both. I mean, you know, the Orioles are using it. Everybody, the Rangers use it like to an extent. I think, like uh, from what I've heard, I, I don't really know because I, I know guys over there. Uh, but you know, like Bochi's a good, he's a, he's a good manager though too. He's 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 gut guy. You know, he's like hey, I'm a, I've watched this situation happen how many times, and like. It's like anything. The more experience you have, the more you can adapt on the fly. And um, I'm sure Bruce, Bruce Bochy doesn't just go, I don't look at analytics. I'm sure he does his own research, too, just like Buck mm-hmm. Walter did. He kept that little black book in the dugout. 100%. And I'm not 100% what he wrote in there, but I, when I was hurt from my Achilles, I, like, hovered over him because I was like, man, O'Day was like, you got to find out what he writes now. And uh, <laughs> I want to say he kept track of, like, yeah, strikeouts, walks, and some <laughs> other stuff, like stuff that, like, He's like, I need to remember that. Uh, but definitely, I think walks and strikeouts. But man, that's the thing we got to ask. You got to get him on the podcast and ask him about what the heck he wrote down. We had book. him on before, but we got to dig into what's never, in Buck's black book. Like his little book. Because I, I think it's like he was doing analytics in his own way. And that's the one thing. Like when people, oh, he's an old school manager. I'm like, I, I, I don't believe that one bit. I, I really do think that he used, like, obviously what he had. Um, at his disposal but in the game he kept track of the things that like we value in the game now on base and strikeouts and walks like you know in other things but he 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 put stock in that stuff um, just like we do today hey zach we really want to appreciate you uh and thank you for taking the time it was our privilege to have you on learned a lot and just listening to you even yeah, though your awesome, brother's yeah. the manager it sounds like you have managerial capabilities one of these no shot if you want to go down that road, it sounds like you don't. You should go down the Adam Jones road of luxury and relaxation. Right. Yeah, you bet. No, nah, it sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, we'll get you on again, and you enjoy your off season with the family, please. Enjoy, brother. All right, guys. All right, there you go, Zach Britton. And Adam, I mean, obviously a tremendous career, a two-time All-Star, one of the game's better mm-hmm. relievers for more than a half decade. Uh, it's a shame he had to leave the Orioles, but money called, but – the guy racked up over 150 saves and ERA just above three. He was pretty lights out when he was out there and had a single. Yeah, run. yeah, he had about the four dominant years, um, and you know, again, just like you know, injuries just slowed that slowed it down at the towards the end. But man, when that oof, I told you, I think in 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 16, I think I had three fly balls. We can do research if we want to, but uh, that just I remember when he came in the game. At, from 14 to 16, when he came in the game, I knew that uh, I knew that the game was over with, and he was dominant. But again, like I tweeted out when he announced that he was retiring, like he was just a great teammate. Like he always spoke. He spoke like he was both. He just spoke up. He was he wanted to win. You know what I mean? Like he, although he's the closer, and the closer controls very little in terms of you know the closer controls three outs. That's it. What you can control. He was vocal and like, hey guys, we got to win. We want to win, and he was a winner. And uh, he was a hell of a teammate. Now, hopefully, we can uh, meet up on the link somewhere. Yeah, and just like you, very accountable after the game would always yeah. be by his locker, good or bad. So much respect for Zach Britton. Wish him all the best going forward.
All right, let's move along to our For the Birds segment. It's presented by our friends over at the Baseball Warehouse, where they teach baseball the correct way, whether it be from Mike Bordick or former Oriole Rick Dempsey. Who knows? Maybe you'll see Adam Jones out there one of these days coming soon in 2024. Now, as far as the Orioles, and I do want to get into the Ravens, who are in their bye week in great shape, but we've discussed it briefly. But since we will not talk until spring training, when episode, or should I say season three, begins in February, just before spring training in sunny Sarasota. What are the Orioles going to look like? Because it seems like, and we were talking about this with Zach to a degree, they got a log jam, not only in the outfield, but in the infield. They have a ton of prospects. And again, it's a great problem. Let's not say that, let's not say it's a bad problem. It is a great problem. So they can afford, again, this is their, this is their cash. They can afford to trade people. Again, I'm not a general manager. I think this is everybody's consensus outside. Uh, just the consensus is when you have a lot of prospects and your team is your major league team is really good. You've been drafting well. You've been producing well. That means you can reproduce well. Um, it, you can unload a couple guys to get the guys the, to get maybe a guy or two to put you over the edge. Again, there's a long way to go. Um, winter meetings are uh, are approaching. Yep. So. Uh, that that is the that is the mecca of deals, and that's I think that's where a lot of people get the feeling of where everything is going to happen and what can what, what can happen, what can take place. The big guys maybe get off the board with the Otani's and the Yamamoto's, um, the Bellingers. I think once the big bigger names get off the board, and you kind of you know, see the tears. Otani, obviously, uh, I think he's going to maybe wait, but you never know. Yeah. Uh, I think a team is just going to have to understand what he has to do with his elbow, and you know, with these state of the art doctors. And that bat, it'd be all right. So I just think that it's, it's going to take time. And, you know, the beauty of it is you have until opening day. So um, we shall see. We shall see what happens. I think see what the Yankees do. Obviously, with them you, them in Boston losing, they're not happy. So they're going to spend a lot of money. They're going to flex their muscles on the Orioles, on the Rays. So let's see what 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 can happen. Did they add a veteran starter for more than what they paid Jordan Lyles or last year Kyle Gibson, who was now left for free agency to St. Louis? <clears throat> There's, I mean, like a Jordan Montgomery. Uh, I think the Valdi. I think the. I think. I, I mean, I, I. Again, this is all guessing. I think that starter number is the ten to fifteen range uh, per year. I see Maeda got a two twenty four. I don't know if they Maeda was fit for that team. Um, contact pitcher who's giving them tanks. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I know there's guys out there. It's just a matter of who, again, when you have cash in prospects, you can go trade for people, uh, like again, like a Burns. I don't know if Burns want to go through arbitration again with the Brewers. Uh, Cease, I've, I've, uh, obviously, his name has been a topic of trade rumors for uh, a few weeks, a few months, and going into and then going into the winter meetings, hot commodity, very young and very talented, controllable for two years. So, you know, there's there's options out there, obviously, from other organizations. You got Seattle. They have a lot of young pitchers over in Seattle uh, with Gilbert and Miller. Um, you know, it's it just depends. And then again, Elias, whatever I'm saying, I know that he, Mr. Elias is 40, 40 paces beyond me. Uh, but this is just, again, just a, a fan who is uh, who's just watching the game from afar. And just like you're a fan of the Orioles, you're a fan of the Ravens as well. They got the big win Sunday night in Southern California. I know the Chargers were a team you grew up rooting for, but the Ravens are now nine and three, Adam. 
and they're sitting atop yeah. the AFC going into their bye week. Uh, they're sitting pretty right now. Kansas City, I think, has hosted the last five AFC championship games. Ravens have never hosted mm-hmm. the AFC championship. Both routes to the Super Bowl, as you know, came on the road. They have the opportunity this year. And as long as they knock on wood, stay healthy, it seems like they're headed in the right direction. The defense is superb. It's, it's a few things. Well, the Chargers, they had a chance. Defense, Ravens defense is unbelievable. Tip your cap. Ravens defense has been unbelievable. I mean, they like they are ball hawks. They they are aggressive to that ball. They they are they their defense is flat out unbelievable. Especially going cross country on the road. And all I say, when you go cross country, it's tough because your body is acclimated to the East Coast, especially playing a Sunday night game when your body is telling you that it's probably you know ten o'clock at night. They did a, a hell of a job with defense. Um, Patrick Mahomes has never played a road game in the playoffs. No. That's unreal. It is. Um, so again, the Ravens. Again, we can argue. We can obviously argue to we're you know blue in the face that they could be twelve and zero. Um, but you know if they keep this up, and you know you know you know that Kansas City is going to keep this up because their uh, track record is maintained uh, status quo. Uh, the Ravens are, are sitting pretty right now. I think if you get the number one seed, obviously hosting. MNT Bank will be live. We all know that. Uh, and, you know, that that's, I guess, I know that's the number one goal. But again, it's right now you get a bye week. They had a, a, what, three games in 11, 12 days. They get a bye week after a couple of really good wins. And you know what? Let's go and, and relax and, uh, and get, get yourself healthy, number one, yeah. especially late this year. You're going to get yourself healthy going into this final stretch of five, six games. And I think you can ride it out. A wise decision by Coach Harbaugh to forego the bye week after the trip to London. They've lost one game since then. He waited until the appropriate time, which is now where Odell Beckham Jr. can heal that shoulder and Marlon mm-hmm. Humphrey can heal his hamstring and be ready to go when they play, what, the Rams in a couple of weeks. All right, let's move on. It's time to head beyond Baltimore, where Adam exists in Barcelona, Spain. This is our national or in Adam's case, international perspective. And we're going to talk about the NBA's cockamamie in-season tournament. (laughs) You and I off the air, folks. We've had some heated debates on this. A lot of this stuff we can't show on the podcast because it's a family program. But the NBA announced back in August they were going to put together this inaugural in-season tournament, which will see the winning team earn something called the NBA Cup. And players on the winning team get a half million dollars. On the losing team, they get 200000 you reach a semifinals, 100,000. You reach a quarterfinals, 50,000. Now, I asked off the air, and I'll ask it on the air, does that money really inspire the top players in the NBA? If you're at the end of the bench, I understand you're motivated by that money. But when you're bringing in 40-plus million dollars a year, really, what is a half million dollars? So when you – the guy at the end of the bench in the NBA is still making like eight. So that's it's a lot of money. Hell yeah, you motivated. That's free money. That's free money. That means that like forty million a year. And that's the contract. That pays that's the contract. That's the contract. That's 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 the contract or money. This is free money. This saying, look at we got an in season tournament. So this is going on while the season is happening. It's not outside of the season. It's inside of the season. Yes. It's, it's like it's, actually, it's like NFL. okay, it's like okay. Put it this way: it's like winning. A, if you if you enter a slam dunk competition and you win, you win the home run derby. What's the difference? It's an in season tournament. A home run derby is a tournament in season. You win that, you get a million dollars. What's the difference? 
Uh, and these guys they, care. These guys well, don't donate the that. Like, these guys don't donate that. I don't care. These guys, it, it's not about the average salary. It's a free amount of money. It's a pool. You you saying, hold on, I'm making this money, but don't. You saying I get 500000 if I win this? Okay, Corey Seager's making $30 million. They, now the, the, the pool came out of how much money they got, and it was roughly five hundred, oh, north of 500000 He's making 30 plus million. So, so should he be like, this is nothing. Let me give this to, let me give all of this to the clubbies. No, what they did is they gave a plentiful, I looked at their shares, they gave a hell of a lot of shares. So I know that they took care of their clubbies really, really well, which it's life-changing money to this clubbies. So you, I mean, they're going to take that money, but they probably give it away to, you know, to their, to the people, their staff and the guys that help them. But at the same time, hell yeah. I just you 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 more than anybody, Jerry. You more than anybody know that anything more than whatever you're getting paid, anything that's more than yes, what you're getting you're in right. a contract, you take. But if I was getting forty million a dollar, uh, you would million take. a year. I no, I think you I'd be okay. I'm good. I'm good. You would take. You would take. Well, they're doing this through. You'll November. never be good. You'll never be good enough, Jerry, for that. <laughs> Don't ever think that you'll be you oh, win the God. lotto. You can Season win the lotto for five hundred million. <laughs> you win it for five hundred million, and you'll still sneak off with to go play to a napkins and hold it tight. <laughs> Listen, I love the NBA. It's probably my favorite league. Sorry, NFL. Sorry, MLB. Yeah. I love the NBA. I love the drama. I love the stars. But this to me is a big snooze. Okay, go Lakers. Lakers are in first place. Phil, I'm, I'm yeah. good. I, We're good. The one I understand. So, championship like they did in the Tuesdays fall. and Thursdays. Tuesdays and Thursdays. No, Tuesdays and Fridays, they had the those are the tournament games. And to that comment, if the Wizards won the championship, what would you say to that? I'd say it was phony. I don't care. If the Knicks won the championship, if any team won the championship, it didn't matter. Their fan base would be like, hell yeah, since the Lakers won it, since LeBron won it, it's an action. No matter what LeBron does, he can't be good enough. And he's okay with that. Months off in a in a resort to get ready to play a couple of games here. I mean So did everybody else. Right, but the older players had the advantage. So, is, so, but was the stage even? He didn't get to see his family either. He got the oldest kids in the league. He's got literally the oldest kid. He's the only kid in the NBA with a kid in college. He's got a kid in college. He's got a kid that's a junior in high school. He's got a like. He's like he's missing the most out of everybody. Well, this tournament can't end soon enough because every time I turn as on, as long as the Lakers team, win, baby. And see that court, my eyes start to bleed if that's possible. Yeah, yeah. Some of them courts, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah some of them is like just dark and then light. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I remember the first to- time it happened. I thought there was something wrong with my television. Yeah, same. I was like, my hue is jacked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap up this bad boy with a sparkling edition of Socially Speaking, AJ. This is where we answer a tweet, or now known as an X. When we started, it was just known as Twitter. We've of all right. here. It's X, it's the gram, it's Facebook. You can find us on all three platforms. We're not on TikTok. At least I'm not. I'm too old. At Adam Jones Pod, at Adam Jones Pod. And these are all from Instagram. We asked, what was your favorite moment from the Adam Jones podcast over the course of seasons one and two? First one comes in from Iowa Boy, 1981. He responded to our question, writing, quote, the whole year AJ and Gerald is the did one of your sons write this? AJ and Gerald is the perfect blend of co-hosts. Keep them coming. Now, first of all, he spelled Gerald wrong. It's with a J, not with a G. 
But the only people calling me Gerald are your sons and this guy. <laughs> At the tennis court. Yeah, I was like, yeah. hey, but that's your name. That's your government name. You yes. know what I mean? They should have said Mr. Gerald. I told him to be polite. Uh, I they, you like Jerry or Coleman. So uh, I, I told him just to go with a good stern, firm Coleman. One of my favorite moments the entire year is when I'm walking away from that tennis court. What are your sons? I don't even remember if it was Axel or August. Yell, see you, Gerald. That's Axel. Yeah, I was like, where did that come from? <laughs> like, you can call me Jerry. All right, next up is uh, Axum Carson. There's a hyphen in there somewhere. He responded to our question by posting the live edition in Baltimore, and they were not the only one as part of their favorite moment of the Adam Jones podcast, Sass Nasty. Number seven agreed. He wrote, Adam, live at Soundstage was tight. Indeed, it was. Back in mid-July, uh, Aaron Hicks showed up. We had a tremendous yeah. crowd. The place was packed. The alcohol was flowing. Uh, oh, man. I mean, it was a blast that night to be in front of a live audience. And then the Orioles went out and took care of the Yankees. Oh, for sure. I mean, we were intimate with the people. You know what I mean? That was the thing is being, uh, being personable with the people. It was a fantastic crowd. Um, Soundstage put on a, a hell of an event. The space was fantastic. The people that showed up, it filled up. I uh, can't thank you guys enough. Uh, it was fantastic. Reggie did a hell of a job setting that yep. up also. Everybody that tied into it did a, a fantastic job setting that up. And, you know, hopefully we can do more of those in the past in, in the future. I know a lot of people uh, enjoy those kind of things. They enjoy being personable, enjoy uh, Q&As. People like that. People want to hear our stories. So hopefully in the future we can do more of those because, um, you know, being being amongst the people is what I like. I'm and I'm glad you mentioned people. Reggie. Reggie Fugit and Jackson yeah. Dean behind the scenes did a tremendous job with this podcast as they continue 100%. to do it right now. I mean, we hear from Chip Franklin from time to time, and Chip likes to uh, point out that probably my least favorite part of this podcast was that pie-in-the-face <laughs> moment. Of course, if you're watching on YouTube, you get to see it for the thousandth time at least. And now we'll play it twice just in case. Again, there is a lawsuit <laughs> pending on this, so I can't really comment too much on it. But the back injury remains, and uh, I do wear a neck brace when I'm not doing the podcast. That was awesome. All right. That was fun. That was fun. We do want to thank our, our major loyal sponsors, the majority who have been supporting us since day one of this podcast. Let's salute them right now. Hi, guys. Oriole Hall of Famer and ambassador to the baseball warehouse, Mike Bordick here. We are honored and excited to help support the Adam Jones podcast. The Baseball Warehouse has four locations in Maryland and two in Pennsylvania. We specialize in private instruction, camps, showcases, charity events, Badgers baseball, and one-of-a-kind events featuring current Major League players and Hall of Famers. Our instructors have all played collegiately and professionally, many of whom have reached the major leagues. Check out thebaseballwarehouse.com to learn more and check us out on social media. Also, make sure to check out Orioles Hall of Famer Rick Dempsey's Baseball Warehouse opening in Columbia this October. Yeah, it's October 8th from 1 to 5 p.m. I'll be there with many of my former teammates, and I want to see you there. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Jimmy's Famous Seafood, Charm City's favorite crab cake destination. Local sports fan? Experience the ultimate pregame party at the tailgate. Cheer on the Ravens with iconic live performances, an open bar, and mouth-watering eats. Can't make it? No worries. Bring the same food that caught the attention of the Food Network right to your doorstep. Shipping East Coast recipes nationwide. Jimmy's Famous Seafood is the official sponsor of the guests appearing on the Adam Jones Podcast. 
and by our friends at the Weinman Company. Your fun awaits at Hollywood Casino Perryville. Feed the whole crew with something for everyone, from cheesesteaks to crab cake sandwiches. Plus, ask how you can get a $15 dining credit. Get in on the gaming action with the hottest slots and your favorite table games, like blackjack, roulette, and poker. Free live shows every Friday and Saturday. Plus, become a Penn Play member and get up to $250 in rewards. Come experience nonstop fun and excitement only at Hollywood Casino Perryville. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Effective Solutions, your one-stop shop for commercial contracting. Everything from excavation and site development to emergency remediation and restoration. Effective Solutions specializes in many forms of commercial and mixed-use construction, like leak investigation, framing, trim carpentry, insulation, drywall, painting, wallpaper, flooring, masonry, waterproofing, paving, tree removal, and much more. With a dedicated staff and a commitment to quality, Effective Solutions delivers every time. By G-Leaf. Medical cannabis only. Visit gleaf.com. Medical cannabis is for qualified Maryland patients only. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Royal Farms. Download the Royal Farms app from the Apple App Store or Google Play today. New Royal Farms Rewards members will get a free any size cup of Royal Farms award-winning coffee just for signing up. You know, it takes a lot of hard work to be a professional football kicker. I would know. I am a professional football kicker. So when I need the energy to get through a tough practice, I get a cup of coffee from Royal Farms. Royal Farms' new coffee machines grind fresh beans and brew them for a perfect cup every time. It's the freshest coffee in the world and just the kick I need. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. By Jack Daniels, two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, the number one cocktail in the world, is now available in a can. Yes, that's true. Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, mixed with Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar, are now both available in a can. Two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, ready to drink? Please drink responsibly. Whiskey specialty, 7% alcohol by volume. Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, Lynchburg, Tennessee. And a reminder, if you guys are enjoying this podcast, make sure to check out the Baltimore Banner at thebaltimorebanner.com slash AJ to get started. Thanks to senior executive producer Chip Franklin. Chip is like that rash that keeps coming back, but we hope he comes back at least for another year. We'll have some medicine to uh, cure any problems that go with that. Go out and subscribe to the Baltimore Banner. Until next time, Baltimore and beyond, keep it real and be kind and make sure to be back for season three in February, right after the Super Bowl for the Adam Jones Podcast. Be good until then. Stay out of trouble, stay out of jail, and we'll see you soon.